Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast for episode number 138. I am your host, David Palermo, and if you don't already, please subscribe on iTunes and Google Play or wherever you find your podcasts. Also, numbbillsfan.com has a playlist up as well in the upper right-hand corner. Website's all right. Doing my best with it. And uh, make sure you check that out. So if you also want to support Numb Bills Fan Podcast, you can click through the Etsy store and pick up some Buffalo Bills memorabilia or a Numb Bills Fan shirt. All the proceeds go back into the podcast to pay for server space. And that's why there's not really much up there. So if you want, check it out. And uh, some cool stuff up there, some vintage gear like uh, some Super Bowl shirts and etc. Um, also, don't forget, GrandstandSportsNetwork.com. It's uh, pretty rad, best view in sports, a lot of podcasts linked in on there all together under one roof. And Numb Bills Fan Podcast has a regular slot. Uh, I think we're playing a couple times a day. So make sure you check that out. And uh, if you're listening through there, thank you. And please follow Numb Bills fan on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I've been popping up in Reddit. I really, really dig Reddit because it's very bright. And they called me out on having shitty quality videos while I was at camp. And to defend myself, it's really hard to multitask there. And if you can get better sideline video, then get there and send it to me. Anyways, so you're kind of stuck on my shitty videos next year if I get there. So anyways, uh... To the Reddit community, thank you for tuning in. I like being called on my shit. To the other people I talk to on the internet, uh, I don't know. No, got got a little offended this week. So, um, don't forget to lastly punchrunksports.com, a sports podcast called Punch Drunk. Ari Shafir has a is is three comedians, and uh, who do a sports podcast. Ari Shafir has a Netflix special out, Double Negative. Sam Tripoli also has another podcast, Tinfoil Hat Podcast, which is pretty sweet. Um, and he also has a comedy album out called, uh, totally forgot what it's called, The Diabolical. There it is. And Jason Tebow, you can find him also on the Red Zone Network, or Red Zone Channel. There we go, Network. All right, so next to me is uh, our old pal Tim Avery. Hi, how's, Tim. How's it going, Dave? Good to be back. Yeah, so we're in White Trash Studios. and um, Pretty white, pretty trashy. Yeah, pretty trashy. We're looking at some insulation and missing drywall. Some nice spray foam, Dave. Yeah, dude, that's like the, the window and door spray foam. Um, you know, you, it sprays out of the can, and it's pretty nice, you know. It's nice when you have the Tyvek featuring inside the house. You know, and, and what I did is I took out the ceiling, and you could see a nice... You know, it looks like fiberglass. A little deck. fiberglass up, st- up top. Yeah, like Ray Charles were in an addition of my room, and Ray Charles apparently in 1980 did this addition because uh, when I bought the house, I didn't realize that an inch and a half is the difference between one floor and another. So if you <laughs> notice him when you walk in this room, it actually slopes down. And then the other part of the addition here, I actually went crazy and redid the floor, like notch floor joists, built like a little decking system under it for the crawl space. So. Pretty much, you could get like an elephant and go stand on it, and I like double cross members underneath the deck, so it doubled up and it's kind of a little overkill. So doubled up strength, but I don't know why I'm talking about this. This is a podcast about the uh, the Buffalo Bills and the NFL and what's going on. So uh, 
Tim, it's great to be back. Uh, another powerful Bills fan that I love and talk to during camp and the off season. So, um, how are you doing? How you be? How you feel? A little down after this week, I gotta admit. Um, yeah, it's. There's a lot to talk about. Um, I'll say this: our defense is looking fantastic, and I just wish we could meld last year's offense in this year's defense because that would be pretty exciting. Yeah, I I agree. Um, you know, it, it's like I called this matchup out last podcast and on Lockdown Bills podcast with Kevin Masseri um, on both of those. So when Greg from Rochester called the podcast on the regular uh, podcast for Numb Bills fan last podcast, I can't talk, 137, um, I told him I really liked the matchup. I really did. I thought that if the Bills can do what they did last year with points and you have a defense that can stop Cam Newton, I the, the ball was there to get taken away many times. Defense played lights out. But, hey, a lot of times those balls are going to go through the secondary's hands. And, you know, Jordan Poyer is playing out of his mind. Um really i mean two sacks the the team had a total of six sacks pretty stoked you know yarborough had one Shaq lawson had one Jerry Hughes had two um I, i'm you know i came into this like the bills can do some damage and coming out of this game tim one of the things that really bothered me was in the first half the bills didn't even get through i think their entire first 15 plays of the playbook you know and yeah and, and or, typically the first 15 to 20 plays are scripted isn't that usually the case in a lot of offenses yeah because first... you, you know you want to see what they're gonna how they're gonna react um mm-hmm. so it's like the buffalo bills first drive was on their own 25 three plays three now their second drive was in their on their own 10 three plays three now okay so they started in the 10 keep that in mind the next drive the Bills' second quarter starting their own two-yard line. Okay, another six plays, got rid of it, boom. Uh, Buffalo start again on their own 25, three and out. Start again. Um, Buffalo had the ball with six seconds left, one play. Okay, third quarter, the Bills start on their own 25. Six plays, 227 off the clock. Again. Bills get the ball back. I know this is kind of dense, everybody, but I'm going to make a point. Start the ball again at the 21, three and out. You know, so the Bills, I mean, again, they started at the 14 right after that with six minutes left. Uh, again, the Bills finally, late in the fourth quarter, they started at the 43. Start at the 25 again, drive all, you know, it's just. Just really frustrating. Yeah. It's. It was like a game where, you know, a bend not break defense before you know what the clock is gone. That's what this game was. Mm -hmm. It's like. The Bills started within their own 10 a couple times and it's pretty crazy but you know what i didn't realize tim was right after the game and getting on twitter and i'm kind of reacting to people like guys 
don't blame Tyrod, don't blame Tyrod, don't blame Tyrod, because I just don't want to get on the guy right away. I mean, if there's something I see, which is, of course, there's always going to be throws every quarterback is going to want back or reads that they wish they saw, and, and that goes with the territory. Everybody in Buffalo is a quarterback evaluator now, and it's really hard uh, to be objective about it. I get it. But really, I think I was wrong thinking that the Bills, you know, looking at this this whole box score thing and, and all the drives this morning, um, you know, uh, upon further review, it's it's almost like, you know what, really the Bills offense just didn't show up in general. And um, if you're Carolina, your defense is going to key in on the pro bowler, the all pro guy. Well, if you're starting within your own 25 or at the 25, what well, you're, especially on your own 10 yard line or, or less, you, you have a very limited playbook, you know? So, um, I can't really get mad at some of the play calls. I, I really don't know what to think. Uh, I was just flabbergasted. I never felt the Bills were out of it. I felt like it was a Billsy kind of game from the, the Panthers where they're just hanging around too long. And frankly, here we go at refs again. You miss a you miss a LaShawn McCoy face mask, and then there's an offensive pass interference I don't even see a replay of. Um, so after you have a ref that's heated out of his mind in the first quarter and you didn't see a replay of either, um, and he's getting mad at the Bills. Like, dude, fat ass, go sit on the sideline. Sorry, this is the NFL. Get into shape. It's not much to ask. I shouldn't have had the podcast every year about you stupid refs. Like, really, do your job, get off the field, and be in some respectable shape, dude. <laughs> like, seniority, you get older and your eyes get worse, but you're going to go ref the, the... I don't understand. Anyways... Tim, we actually have something special. What's that? Um, we have a guy that we're going to call, oh. and he was in Carolina. We have a couple people, and he was in Carolina, and his name is James, and he hit me up on Twitter, and I figured we'll talk to him, and we'll dive back into what we were talking about, which is pretty much like how field position uh, really kind of mattered, I thought, at least for the Bills this game, and it's an old school thought, but... Um, you know, I think it's something that needs to happen. So I would love to dive back into that conversation with you after we call James Borum is his name on uh, the Twitterverse. Let's do it. All right. And on the line is James. It looks like James Borum uh, up there on Twitter, post alone. So, uh, James, tell us a little bit about yourself. You were down at the game in Carolina and tell us where you're from and um, how you ended up deciding to want to call in. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I've been a fan of the podcast for a long time, David. Uh, I've been listening in and always thought, hey, you know, maybe I'll just shoot him a message. I go to a couple games a year and was able to make it to the Carolina game, so I thought maybe I'll just drop you a line on Twitter and find out if uh, if you needed somebody to talk to somebody at the game or, or whatnot. Sure, I, so, always, man. If you're going to that Cincinnati one you were talking about, we'll get you back. Is that what you said you're going cool. to another one? So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should be able to go to that uh, that Bengals one in a couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to hit you up and find out if you needed anybody to to chat to that was at the game. Yeah, man. Thank you for um, reaching out. So, um, what what made you end up going? Where are you from? Um, and, and and go through some notes, man. You were talking before. You had some good stuff, and we didn't even get through all of them because you were just rolling. <laughs> I'm like, man, you are really detailed. So, like, thank you for showing up more prepared oh, no, than no. everybody else in this room. <laughs> uh, no problem, man. I just took some. Uh, I just took some notes while I was watching the game. Yeah, I'm from Indianapolis. Uh, uncle's a Bills fan, 
and got me in in the in the 90s and you know by the time i was really you know in high school i was playing in a band and that was kind of why i like the podcast because i get a little bit of you know band references and stuff oh really tim tim next to me actually (laughs) tim next to me actually is a uh a promoter at this he does all the booking at this place called the bug jar in rochester and um how old are you uh i'm 26 26 no shit okay um tim how old are you 35 Third, just turned thirty six. Jeez, Tim, I'm ancient. I know, thirty three. I got the salt and pepper in, going on in my beard. So, what do you what do you do for music, dude? This is a curveball of a podcast. So, what do you do? Uh, no, I, I, I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, I still play guitar every now and again. What kind of uh, guitar? A little, little bit of bass, but I think mostly I did most of uh, my my band stuff. I was singing in the band. So nice. Uh, nice. But you know, after high school, that kind of got busy with life and then I started really getting into the bills and that's where I kind of, you know, I'm able to play a little bit of music still, but uh, mostly just kind of sit around and wait for uh wait for fall and winter so I can start washing the bills again. Dude, that's so, awesome. uh, that's why I like the bills, man, is it gets my mind off of four other band members while I'm at work alone working to like <laughs> try to micromanage your life. Like, man, why the hell isn't this happening? You know, yeah. So it's kind of yeah. nice to to follow sports to get your mind off of things that don't matter because there's only so much you can do, and sometimes you try to iron that sore too much and nothing happens. You know what I mean? So no, yeah, um, I, I know. Exactly there's always so it. much you can do with band members and bands. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So what was the uh, what was the pulse down there? Like, what was the ratio of Bills fans? Oh man, I gotta say there was a lot of Bills fans there. Uh, I felt a. Uh, uh, like a second a second home game a little bit. I would say it was at least 30%. I mean, really, the, uh, the people I went with at the game were talking about how a lot of uh, Carolina seems to be a lot of transplants or people who've moved yeah, to Carolina. I hear so, that's the uh, case. Yeah, so a lot of fans, you know, maintain their teams whenever they move there. And so a lot of the games are kind of heavily peppered in with uh with uh, other fans from other teams but it seemed it definitely seemed like there was an uptick from uh the last cincinnati game i went last year i mean there was a considerable jump in a number of bills fans at the game uh but yeah no i i I, you know i was able to talk to some bills fans but i really wanted to get a a feel for the carolina fans and find out how they felt about the, the upcoming game against the bills and a lot of them were really receptive to some of the things that uh you know, I wanted to talk about. Uh, they really liked um, Brandon Bean and McDermott, but uh, really Mike Tolbert was hands down their favorite. Uh, they 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 love Mike Tolbert, but I also think they were able to uh, get. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I th- I, th- I think they were able to uh, to really kind of stick it in Buffalo's eye when uh, they were able to stop the run game, especially Mike Tolbert. I know a lot of fans, you know, they want to see him do good, but I think they also felt. A little bit bummed that he was able to uh, to move with Brandon and Sean to uh, to Buffalo. So uh, I think they were able to to uh, to feel good about uh, about stopping that run. Um, there were a few other things that they were that they mentioned that everyone there was. I mean, obviously uh, Luke Keekley and uh, uh, Greg Olson, lots of fans there. They really were able to. Uh, uh, to show up in mass with with a ton of those jerseys on, um, I, as, and if you watched the game, you saw that uh, uh, Olson went down injured pretty early. I think a lot of yeah, I think a lot of fans were were really upset about that, and I think that was 
probably the bigger takeaway from the game is that, that there were some really big scares for uh, for the Panthers team. It seemed like Cam Newton went down. A lot of fans were really worried about that. I mean, he's the lifeblood of that team, and especially of the offense. And then uh, I think uh, Olsen going down was was really bad, too. I think a lot of them thought he was going to be somebody for them in the future to uh, to especially this season to really pop and uh, and I mean, take it could, took away a little bit of their uh, over the middle stuff um, but that didn't stop some of the other players uh, I took some um, more notes down here Kevin uh, Kelvin Benjamin looked incredibly sharp and capable as a number one wide receiver for the team um, even though the Bills secondary played pretty well against them I really thought Tredavious White and Jordan Poyer uh, played a really gave a great game in the secondary. Jordan Poyer really was a stand-up. He, he looked like an all-star uh, on Sunday. Um, the uh, uh, oh, uh, also, also uh, with Olsen out, I think Devin Punches could probably see a tick up for them in targets and receptions going forward. Um, but really, replacing Olsen is going to be very hard to do. I think uh, Punches has a lot of uh, a lot of or some big shoes to fill in, in Olsen uh, being sidelined. Yeah, I mean, imagine all three of them out there at the same time because Olsen's always been a go-to. He's a guy that for years, you know, he kind of slipped under the radar of people, but, I mean, it became Cam Newton's favorite target, really, because that tight end's a safety valve, you know? So um, to see him go down, you know, as a Bills fan, you're like, okay. But when you were in the stadium, did it feel – it didn't feel like the Bills were out of it on my end. How did it feel over there? I mean, Carolina Panther fans must have been really just shitting their pants. Like, let's go. Yeah, they and they definitely were. Uh, I think, uh, you know, from the get-go, talking to some of these Carolina fans, they had absolutely no worry that this game was a lock for a win for them. Um, and I think the, uh, the scoreboard at the end of the game really had them worried about some of their offensive performance. I mean, I, I do think the Bills' defense is a top – 15 12 defense in the league uh but th- i think their their lifeblood was you know having cam roll out you know do some check downs throw it throw it into the flats and really move the ball forward and it seemed like they were really lacking that ability uh there were a couple big uh runs that got to, I, I believe it was a third down where cam was able to get some extra yardage on a run that he was able to get on the sidelines and i think that when I saw that, I thought uh, I thought maybe this game might might kind of divulge or, or uh, I think the Bills were kind of given up. It seemed like, especially on that play. Uh, so I'd say mostly the the fans really did not expect to have such a low you know a low scoring game. But uh, so that I, I, I was not not to cut in, uh, but to cut in. Um... One thing that, that Tim and I actually touched on, and we are going to, you know, I thought I'd just be on the phone with you for a couple of minutes. You know, like our, our messages are so quick. Thank you for the pictures, by the way. So if you've been on Numb Bills fan Instagram, um, are you on Instagram or no? Because I tried to tag yes. you. Are you? Okay. Yeah, so, yeah so, I am. Yep. So just hit me back. Um, but, um, you know, hit, hit the Numb Bills fan Instagram, and uh, there's a few shots in there from you and my other buddy that I'm going to call up after you, my friend uh, Jamie, who I grew up with. And... Long story short, um, one of the things that Tim and I just touched on briefly to dive back into was I brought up the point that with this bend-don't-break defense, the problem with it is you suck the time off of the clock. And it just felt like the Bills couldn't get into a rhythm. 
And if you want to just join the conversation, I'm sure Tim's going to want to chime in too. Um, it's just honestly one of those things where with that bend not break defense, I, I, I just thought that third down chunk yards, just mm. chunk third down plays converted. And it's like, come on. I mean, I know they did a wonderful job. You're looking at points here. Okay, but yeah. uh, I mean – how many didn't they have over two six minute drives? I mean, it, it like that that offense of the Bills must have been cold as well. Oh yeah, you know, was, and was, the defense it, is it tired. Was bad. Yeah, it was it was really bad and really like um, you know the bend don't break may work uh, in low scoring games where your where your offense is able to produce a little bit, but the the problem is the first time you break the whole game's over. Uh, I mean, I, I think our our red zone defense this week was incredible. We did a really good job stopping uh, points being put on the board. But I think, you know, one missed tackle or, you know, one overcorrection for a, a cornerback and that whole story is over with. And so then not only are you talking about, you know, wasting more time and taking more time off the clock, but it ultimately ends in a touchdown for the other team. And, and then at that point, you know your offense was struggling already. It's going to be very, very hard to come back when you're, you know, instead of six three or something like that, you're down. You're it, it's something like fourteen or twelve. I mean, even those kind of higher, you know, just one touchdown can really make a huge difference when it comes to just bleeding the clock like they did. What's your thoughts on that, Tim? Hmm. Well, because I mean, if you look at the time of possession, I mean, Carolina had the ball for thirty-eight minutes and fifty-three seconds, and the Bills had it for twenty-one minutes and seven seconds so i mean the bills didn't even fire off well, that many plays look at um, first you know i think that a bend don't break defense works if the offense can can at least string together a couple of first downs and that's the problem we saw early in the game is that we couldn't get past third down you know what was the first totally three drives were three and out right is that correct um, yeah 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 in when a, a bend don't break is complemented by an offense that can they can just keep moving things and i and i feel like we, we talked about a little bit earlier how, you know, maybe the first 15 plays were scripted by the Bills. And the thing is, you, you, I, there, there's got to come a point, I mean, whether this is on McDermott or Dennison, there's got to come a point where you say, all right, clearly McCoy's not working right now because of what they're doing on the front, on the defensive front, um, especially defensive tackles, you know. He couldn't get anywhere. Um, maybe it's the blocking scheme. Maybe it's they were just, you know, I mean, credit credit to Carolina. They were fierce out there on defense. That D-line was Very just so, nonstop. Yeah. But you gotta, there's got to come a point earlier in the game where you, if you're not getting the ball very often, where you got to say, all right, got to change things up a little bit. we got to try something different. And I think you saw that at the end of the game, but it was the last drive that the Bills finally did that. And you know, I watch it, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, you guys finally got it. You started connecting up. I mean, Zay Jones had a couple of catches in that last drive before the drop, or well, before it went through his fingertips. Um, <laughs> you know, we 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 had some we had some good plays and some movement of the ball quickly, and uh, we didn't see that the the rest of the game. And, and you know, this is a one of those unfortunate criticisms I have of my favorite team in the world, the Bills. But it seems like when it, we just take a long time to respond to an issue that we're seeing on the field, you know, we don't retool quickly. We need to do that better. I think we're fully capable of it. As you saw, we moved in that last drive, but it's too little, too late. We got to be able to 
I don't know, think on our feet quicker. And, you know, you want to call that a, a coaching thing? Maybe it is. Um, it's definitely a play calling thing. Um, I'll tell you what, man, the, the, the first half, okay, um, the Bills had five drives. I'm not going to consider the one where they got the ball punted to them with six seconds left in the first half, okay? okay. But the Bills' first drive was on the 25, you know, after Carolina kicked the field goal. Their next drive started at the 10. They ran eight plays, okay? So, you know, you got to do better with that. And I don't know if there was, like, a penalty or something on there, um, but it says from Buffalo 10 to Buffalo 17. So it's like, you know, I don't understand how when you're starting at the 10 and then you're following drive, you're starting at the 2, and then you have one other drive with two minutes left starting at the 25. You know, so two out of four drives are within the 20, actually within the 10 or less. And and people expect a, a defense that they're going to key in on the one damn playmaker on the team, LaShawn McCoy, and we're shocked that they executed it. One of the fastest defenses in the league, right? And we're shocked yeah. that they stopped the run. And then people want to point out that, you know, the offense is absolutely putrid. Now, don't get me wrong. I uh, I agree, you know, because, again, the Bills started the 25. They only get six plays in there. It's done. You know what I'm saying? So I actually read the sheet upside down uh, wrong earlier when I was screwing up. But it's like the Bills just, you know, they, again, they started the 21. They do their three and out thing. And it seemed like they start just crappy. Another 14-yard drive start. You know, then they finally get the ball in the 43 and get some points. You know, there was no turnovers. It, it's just it's just a really wonky game where the Panthers reminded me of that one Jaguars game with Doug Moron as head coach, <laughs> and they just came out and squished a life out of ball in the second half with nine minutes of a drive mm. opening, yeah. if you remember that game. Remember that one, the oh, EJ yeah. game? So yeah. it's like, I don't know, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I- I, I'm, I'm, I, was, I think it was either EJ. I'm pretty sure it was EJ. Yeah, yeah it, it, was. it was on your own. It was EJ. Yeah. So I mean, for for me, it's like, was the offense bad? Yes. But when the announcers are going, you know, the guys calling the game are going, wow, they haven't even. They just got to like 15 plays, and it was late in the second quarter. The Bills, and usually your first 15 plays, Tim was saying earlier, is to. You know, that's a litmus test. All right, how are they going to react to this? So let's show them this. Right. Show them that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, and, if, and if you can't, if you can't react because you don't have like a database, a pro, like gameplay database, that's a way to look at it. You know, right? If you don't have that, then you you can't make adjustments. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. But I I say if something's not working and you're seeing it, don't give it more than two drives. You know, if that's if that's six plays, find a right tackle. <laughs> <That could help. laughs> yeah, so yeah, um well i mean the thing uh, going along with what tim was saying i think you know us in the future we, we won't be as because I, I, I really think uh carolina was pretty rusty in this game even cam showed you know hit, his ability to hit targets was a little bit similar to the was what the way it was in that 49ers game yeah and some of the he, he looked rusty i think that shoulder surgery he may i don't know if he's still recovering from it or if he's 
just going to take a couple weeks. I think he usually starts relatively slow and then kind of builds throughout the season. Uh, but I think uh, we aren't going to be as, lu- as lucky as Bills fans, especially going forward. I mean, I think next week we play, uh, you know, a powerhouse Denver. of an offense. Uh, oh, Denver. Okay, so I'm yeah, thinking of powerhouse uh, D. We play, oh. uh, hey, I'm thinking of when we play Atlanta. I mean, when they're going to put points up on you, you know, that quickly like Atlanta has the ability to do, you know, we, we got pretty lucky in the fact that they just – that Carolina wasn't able to really get it together. But if they had, this game would have been over in the second – I'm sorry, but I think her, I think Cam Newton got extremely lucky. He showed everything I was hoping to show. And, um, you know, just he got a lot of breaks. He got a lot of breaks, Cam Newton, totally as agree. far as far as just just how the cookie crumbles, how the ball bounces, you know what I mean? Any other game, if he would have lost that game, if he would have lost, if Cam Newton would have lost that game, they would have crushed him, you oh, know? Yeah. So, yeah. and that's, you know, Dave, that's, that's a good point. And here's the thing. You know, we're one, like, just a couple of fingertips away on Zay Jones's miss from from winning that game. And you yeah. know, I mean, I, I'm i not in Carolina. I don't know how they are in the media. But you you kind of think, if you transpose Buffalo's media over there, that the next morning, if <laughs> yeah. Jones had made that catch and we'd punch it in the end zone, Carolina's media, if they're Buffalo's media, would just be all over Cam Newton. They'd be tearing him up. They'd be saying he had the worst game, blah, 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 blah. But he comes out as maybe not the savior, but he comes out looking good. And it's really just because of our defense. Because And I'll say nothing but good about the Bills' defense in this game. But he, he just comes out looking good because we just didn't quite connect on that one pass. It was just a miscommunication yeah. all the way through. And, I mean, to quote Donald Jones, Oh, yeah, um, yeah. When you're running that route, you're taught to run the ball high. Tyrod is thinking Zay is going to, but the quarterback will throw you flat if he needs to. Because, like, when I'm watching it, it's almost, you know, it's one of those things where I was always taught if the ball hits your hands, you, you, even your fingertips, you got to catch the ball. Yeah, and yeah. Zay Jones just had an untimely, just a, a torque, a twist, you know. Um, yeah. and, and it's just one of those NFL things. And Donald Jones was harping on it on the John Murphy show today. Saying, like, look, man, that's just what you get with the college wide receiver versus NFL wide receiver. So coming into this league, I had to run everything deeper, and, and people did not get that. You know, like, you don't get that. It doesn't feel right. And, and that's just one of those things. Tyrod Taylor was out with a damn concussion, whatever. We can make whatever excuses we want or not. Tyrod takes some of this blame, too. At the same time, um, you know, that catch, yes, it should be expected. It's a bummer. It is. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think when I was looking at it from where I was sitting, you know, what I thought was that the cut was supposed to have gone to the back corner pylon. Yeah. Right. It looks like that maybe he went to the front corner pylon. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that, exactly. Donald Jones actually spoke about that on the radio. Uh, he, he said that exact same thing. So you're right. So coming from, from a receiver to say that you got to run to the back pylon, it's like, you know, I don't know the X's and O's like, say, Eric – uh, who studies this stuff at CoverOne.net? Shout out to him. Um, does yeah. or, or other people? Um, but it's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta at least, um, you know, be objective about it. It's so easy to just hammer on Tyrod Taylor. But honestly, if you're just gonna be that guy to just hammer on Tyrod Taylor, I'd like to t- not talk to you about other things in life because you don't want to be objective. <laughs> you know, so it's like. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And it seems like that game was, you know, it it really went down to the wire, and it and it did hang on that one play. But you know, the Bills did not capitalize really at all all game. And so to really lay at the feet of that one of that one play seems a bit unfair, especially on a rookie wide receiver. Anyways, you know, I think Zay Jones has incredible talent. There's no there's no getting by. You know, getting by that, he, he definitely is going to be a number one wide receiver. He is going to take some time to develop and really make that chemistry with Tyrod. You know, they're going to miss a few passes, and this just happened to be the one that the game hinged on. So I think, you know, dwelling too much on that is is probably not, you know, not even really that fruitful because there were tons of passes that hit players right in the chest and they drop on the floor, you know. But I think, you know, this whole game, I didn't think that the Bills won anyway. Um, it was a an opportunity, a lucky opportunity for us to have after a pretty good drive. It's it's a typical it's a typical early season Bills loss where you're like, What the fuck? Like what the fuck? You're gonna look at the schedule and it's like you know, this is one of those things where Carolina is not in our division, but you just hope they just start whooping ass. You know, that way whoever else they play in the division starts whooping ass too. You know, or they whoop them. You know, like Miami needs to lose to them, the Patriots needs to lose to them, and I hate playing that game. It's like it's like like you know, People want to talk about a new coach, this and that. Rex Ryan's an idiot, whatever you want to call him. Well, guess what? No one, no coach is the same coach. I don't care if they're running the exact system or not. They're going to be asked to do something a little bit different. And this is a crap I hate about coaching changes. I hate bringing a new guy. You know, he's a new coach. You got to give him some time to work on clock management. Motherfucker, play Madden. Play fucking Madden. You <laughs> wait, Sean McDermott wasted over a fucking minute in that game. Okay, yeah. like really, man, play some Madden and get your head out of your ass. People are turning right now. Oh, man, and whatever, dude. Like, no, learn some clock no. management. Like, do I have to <laughs> phone in or is that like cheating? I don't understand, dude. I'll throw a purple flag to you. Bring me to the game. Stop that clock. <laughs> Yo, yeah, dude, I will tap yeah. on you. Like, pay a guy. Pay a guy. Pagulas. <laughs> Pay somebody to watch the clock. I don't cost yeah, that much me. money. I have my own liability for yeah. drywall, but I can get something else. Yeah. Like I would uh, gladly stand on the t- on the sideline and just uh, just give somebody a clock update. Dude, it's just ridiculous. You know because. Well, actually, I mean, I want to defend here. them on some of them, but then I'm like, De- devil, De- devil's advocate here. How many delay a game penalties? Did, did Carolina get at Who least cares? three or four? And like, there, Who cares? Is that, there's nothing to do with this. I, 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 thought, with I thought we were pretty well coached in terms of, you know, knowing about the clock and using our timeouts when we used them. Although at the very end, I was a little skeptical about that. I don't um, know, man. Like, I, but, thought, but, I th- even thought earlier in the game, there was an earlier drive. It's like, I think on the three-minute-ish mark for Carolina, it's like, dude, they've literally had the ball, like, this whole time. Can, can we call a time? You know, I don't. I, I don't know, man. That, that's honestly just one of those things that I really pick up in Madden, where you stop the clock on three minute mark, on run a play. I don't know. I, I don't know. Just it, it sounds stupid. I, I, it sounds ridiculous. I'm not making a good case here for <laughs> McDor. No, screw that. The clock management was off. I'm not. I'm not backing yeah. down from that. It, it's it's right, true. Right. It, it's true because, you know. I'm very disappointed at the lack of adjustments. You know, if you can't get the ball out, you got to change something up. Why not run something? You know, you know what I used to like about my favorite coach ever, Chan Gailey, is 
he was laughed at running a pistol the very first play he ever ran on offense as a head coach of the Bills. And then everybody starts incorporating it. You know what I mean? It's kind of a old school football formation has kind of come back and, you know, reapplied for a new generation. And it's like, you know, when you split people wide, <laughs> you, you make it a little bit less predictable. And LaShawn McCoy would have so much space. And I just think about Fred Jackson running and, you know, you're running with a few wide receivers out there. You know, maybe only just one tight end. You know, can we mix it up a little bit? Just maybe give them a different look. It, because the Panthers came to stop the run, and we're just going to go big guys on big guys here and impose our will. Like, it ain't working. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, so, and, and it's you uh, know, to- total credit. Okay, sorry, go ahead, Ted. It, it, you know, and it's fine if it doesn't work, but I, I think my my contention is that recognize it's not working, don't say we're going to do 15 plays and then start changing it up. You know, if, if it's not working and it's clear and they're eating a lot of clock, you ca- you got to change it faster. You got to be more ready to just scrap your game plan and uh and come up with something different, you know? That's you know, maybe if if they're always in the backfield doing something like little screen passes where there's either a back out of the backfield or one of the tight ends or one of the receivers comes in and just does little tiny screens, bubble screens, things like that. I mean, they're not really a... I think they ran... Not, I, I counted like two screens. Am I wrong? I think there was like a screen to Charles Tate yeah. and one screen to Sean McCoy and not for nothing. You have Richie Incognito, which is one of the best pulling guards in the league, okay? You had the right side of the line able to run some run stuff, we'll call it, in their power, blo- in, in their power run scheme that worked. Is it, like, that hard? I don't understand. Maybe I don't understand football enough, but, like, is it that hard to maybe pick a few run plays that were just kind of like the money plays, which was a multiple-look run-style offense last year and the year before, which you had some zone plays and you had some power plays? I mean, God forbid you get that on tape. And I understand (laughs) you have a fullback and they're running some of those concepts, you would think, but it's like... You know, if that doesn't work, try the other thing kind of conversation. But we've seen plays work with these same five before. What's the difference? That's what I want to know. And that's what I also hate about changing coaches. It's a marriage because now to a new concept. the right side of yeah. the line is a mess. You're going to go into it and all the draft picks are going to go, oh, you know, Incognito, he's old. You know, Eric Wood, he's old. Man, Buffalo Bills offensive line, What? what's the offensive line? That's what people are going to say. And before you know it, Tyrod Taylor's going to suck. And I'm going to throw it out here on this podcast now, some shit on the wall for people. The Bills have two first-round draft picks. You want to get rid of Marcel Darius? You couple up a first-round pick and Marcel Darius, and you trade him to the Indianapolis Colts for Andrew, Andrew Luck, <laughs> who's injured. And, you know, because what, what if the Colts end up with the pick? Like, what if the Colts end up with a high pick? Or you trade your two first for that high pick to get the quarterback that you think is going to be the answer that, that Buffalo will never give three fucking years to have a chance to at least fuck it up. They won't because every Bills fan is apparently uh, goddamn John Gruden. That's really it. <laughs> He's Everybody's John Gruden and Bill Walsh, like, Come on, man. The quarterback evaluators, all of Buffalo Bills fans. So, look, it don't matter who you get. 
You could get Joe Montana. I got an argument with the guy on Twitter because he told me he unfollowed me because of my misguided rumblings. Unsubscribe to the podcast. Good for you because when I look through your Twitter feed and you have dog shit coming out of your mouth like, oh, we could have had Dak. <laughs> well, idiot. Tyrod Taylor was the starter. Unless Tony Romo doesn't get hurt, the dude doesn't yeah. play. So yeah. uh, guess what? Don't tell me we could have had Dak. All right? It's like it, it, I, it's, it's, it's a shitty take. You just hate your life, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. I hate mine too, but not for nothing. <laughs> Don't take it out on the fucking bills, dude, because these players have lives. They have wives. They have families. They have all sorts of shit. I think just at least looking at this stuff objectively, just a, just for a pinch, would be kind of nice. You know? Yeah. Uh, and as, as someone just jumping off of that uh, point about Andrew Luck, I've seen that pop up every now and again. Uh, especially here since... Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, because I have to be, uh, you know, a dick and cut you off. Um, real Go quick, um, the reason I think that would work is because you get to clear Darius's cap space and you would just take on Andrew yeah. Lux. So, yeah, well, and, and I th- to, to, to kind of agree with you on that, I think, uh, you know, the... If they the want him, which would be crazy. <laughs> the, the front office honestly is is turned to total dog shit lately i think uh you know fans are starting to panic at this team you know this area is really used to having you know a playoff contention team every year and with andrew luck i mean scott tolzine Brissett, whoever it is at quarterback over there right now um the fans are just eroding away from this team uh and i think it has you know solely everything to do with the front office over there and you know it really would not surprise me one bit if they bit on something as big as taking darius and a couple of picks and trading them away but that said he is hands down the fan favorite here you would see i think you would see a potential for massive massive fan loss if we were to trade if indianapolis were to trade to trade luck to, to any other team you know, let alone Buffalo. Buffalo fans need to take notice at the Andrew Luck situation, and you need to look around, okay? And I'm not saying this is everybody listening. I know I see more negative than I see positive because I'm not just going to spew my positivity all over the Internet. It's just not going to happen. It's just nat- it's a natural skew. But to the negative, to the non-objective, you have to kind of appreciate what you have. I would love to yeah. see Nate Peterman one day, but Nate Peterman is not scrambling for those first downs necessarily. Maybe, maybe, because he showed that in camp a little bit, but he's not Tyrod, and I, I, it's just, you know, I would rather go with somebody developed that's at least more developed, and I, and I think, you know, it's a far fetch for anything in Buffalo, but just looking at it objectively, um. What do you see here on out for the Bills? And I'll just let you go. Like, what are you what are you looking to see? Obviously, you know the defense is looking stout. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, really, I, I think for most Buffalo fans, especially you know ones who can't go to the games often as you guys over there, um, I, I really I think the only thing I can hang my hat on this year is the defense. I'm hoping that the defense can really get developed, um, and you know I'm hoping, praying whatever uh, into next season that we can, we can pull off some insane trade or, uh, you know, maybe we can look at Darnold or Allen or whoever in college. And, and if we don't have that playmaker we have now on offense, hopefully next year we can, we can roll the dice and, and find something to, uh, to take us to that next level. Cause elsewise we're, we're going to be watching a lot of defensive struggles. All right. Well, James, uh, Tim, you have anything to add to James before James goes, you have anything for him, bud? 
Hmm. Well, what kind of guitar do you play? Like, are you a Fender guy, Gibson guy, <laughs> Ibanez? Uh, yeah, I, I, I do because uh, uh, I I prefer the Telecaster. Uh, there we go. I've got a okay. thin line. Uh, so. Do you have a thin line with the F-cut? Yeah. Dude, double humbucker? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, actually, no. I think it's a single. Okay, Mexican? Yeah, Mexican made. You know, there's actually a Squire one. Is it the wood grain? Uh yeah, there's a wood wood green one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those, those actually, look nice. I was actually in the Webster Music Store. Plug to those guys because that store is always on point. Um, that guy over there is the man. Um, yeah, they actually have a Squire Telecaster yeah, that, that. that looks just like the Mexican, obviously Squire. But like, I'm never impressed with Squire. Like, I have like the Squire base I got within a trade. Uh, I picked up like this package of like. Uh, this Japanese Strat, it's all beat up. So I'm probably gonna throw it on mm. reverb because I have I'm a Les Paul guy, so like I have okay. a I have a custom. I've tried that, to convert him. I've tried, no, dude. I'm not. <laughs> no, no. Hey, look, I'm not really a Strat guy. I, I am definitely a Tally guy. My dad is a is a is a Les Paul guy, so that's how I got into it. And I traded an amp for a custom, like a fifteen hundred dollar amp that I made on payments. And I was like, whoa, the planets aligned. My dream guitar in my hands. And the kid was like seventeen. He goes. This is like six years ago. He goes, yeah, it was just too heavy. I'm like, okay. Oh, some weights, dude. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I'll, I'll trade you a Marshall JVM 410 for that, like all day. So, um, yeah, I, I did a, I, I did a lot of trading with with those kind of guitars. I, I may have had that uh, that uh, the Squire one. I hung on to it for a little while while we were doing studio work way back in the day. But uh, yeah. Th- th- I just love the balance and the and the warmth that you get out of those tellies. and uh, it's it's great stuff. Man. That's on the list, man. I'm stoked you have that. Let me know if you want to sell it. Uh, you know, when you want to upgrade to the American one, just you know, toss it my way. Um, but James, I'm gonna just say bye to you here, and then I'll just keep you on the line, all right? So James, okay, where, where can we find you though? You're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, whatever. I'll probably have you regularly keep in touch too. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at James Borm. That's B O R U M. Awesome, James. Tim, you was awesome. Like, thanks so much. I, yeah, I it was not, great talking to you. I did not expect this. This was awesome. Hey, so, thanks, appreciate guys. the call. All right. One second. All right. So that was James. James was awesome, and we ended up talking to James for like another forty minutes. So we're back. And now Tim, unfortunately, has to go soon. So, Tim, what do you have to say about anything else on Carolina? I mean, really, I thought we dove into, did not expect to be able to dive into a caller who randomly hits me up on Twitter like, hey, can I come on a podcast? It's like, yes, for sure. And like I was complimenting the Reddit community, a lot of the people I interact with on Twitter, most of them seem pretty bright. I was really hoping to take on a lot of trolls. Just because I'm used to getting shit on and called retard and fuckface on job sites for years as a teenager. So my shell is pretty fucking thick. Come at me, bro. And <laughs> I'm ready to go take on the trolls. And there's, you know, I got into it with the guy on Twitter I was talking. I kind of said, I was going to say something like, you know, maybe this is a reason why people like you shouldn't procreate. But that might have been a little too low because accidents happen. Anyways, so anything else you got, man? Well, I'm just really hoping that next week we get a little offense going. I know Denver is going to, I mean, 
They're going to be a really tough defense. I think that's a hell of a team, man. Something that I saw that we didn't really um, like, kind of was like I was, I was saying earlier. Like we got to do some more like bubble screens and some more like kind of misdirections where you where you get those linemen to think that they've got Taylor in their sights and then dump it off somehow so that we can uh, actually make some yards out of it. And I think I think we might run into the same problem against Denver just with their D-line being as strong and as quick as they are. Um, we might have to do a little dink and dunk. Um, but also, like I was saying too, we waited a long time to really start going deep. And and I think we got to try some of that too. I think we just got to be a little bit – we got to open the playbook. And um, and maybe not script as much at the beginning, um, or if we do script a good amount in the beginning, uh, tossing some more variety in there. You know, um, I think that's. I don't know if that's the answer, but I would just like to see that personally. Yeah. You know? So the one thing I wanted to bring up is, um, you know, the Bills' first two games last year. Mm-hmm. If you remember, and I just pulled out the uh, the Buffalo Bills media guide. Oh, the um, yes, they're, they're, yeah, terrible. yeah, they're net rushing. Okay, my overall point is it might take a few games to get this offensive line to gel in a more primarily run block scheme, mm-hmm. or I mean run block uh, uh, zone run scheme. Okay, so what I'm getting at here is the first game against Baltimore, the Bills had 65 yards rushing. Oh, Second wow. game, overall, net. So that's everybody. And I could find out if that was Tyra Taylor, too. Um, and against the Jets, second game? 86. 86. All right. So um, it's kind of uh, one of those things where do you give this – you got to give this line a few days or, or a few, few games. games. few games. Yeah, yeah. And it's okay. – there's well, nothing. There's nothing we and, can. There's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. But you can say in in a zone run scheme, everything flows mm-hmm. a certain way, and when you stop that flow, things just collapse, and you just end up with it looks like this wall of fucking shit in front of you, and you just fall over. So like, I don't. I don't know. It, it's like we have Lashawn McCoy for this reason too. I mean Tyrod Taylor for this reason too mask these problems and maybe it's i don't want to use the word creativity i don't know what it could be from the offensive coordinator do i think we got to lay the hammer down no one thing i will say is if you don't have money go to plays in your playbook that can maybe pick up from last year that they did successfully and you have a lot of the same guys on that line i think maybe you need to incorporate something in there just at least take a look uh, or ask the players, hey, what were – I'm sure they did, you would think, but how many times you get in situations where you go, yeah, you did that, right? No, why would we do that? We're the coach. You, it happens. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what did you guys do well? What do you – and then maybe well, you know, build something you know, within your system that works. I don't know, but well, they got to figure – they got to get some money plays down, Tim. That's true, but here, here's the thing that I think. You know, just – from the little that we know about McDermott so far, I just feel like he's a very process-oriented guy. He really... He tells he, you like five times yep. at a press conference. What makes you think that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying, you're, you're right, you're right. So like, you know, maybe he's just 
tooling this particular process with these particular athletes. And it's going to take them a little while to get the nuts and bolts tightened the right way. Process sounds like give me time. Hey, and that's what hey, I'm saying. I, I'm going to take it to basketball for line. a moment. Joel Embiid. Trust the process. <laughs> oh, dude. I'm just, I'm kidding. You're so funny. My brother lives in Philly, so I, I hear about the process. <laughs> dude, the process, man. I don't. <laughs> Want to hear about trusting, but you have to, and that's kind of yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of I, I, in, in a weird way when you know this podcast, even with Rex Ryan, it's like just let him do his thing for a bit, okay? Because when you heart for coaches to be changed and GMs to be fired, this is what you get. Mm-hmm. You get guys getting shipped out that you could use. For the first year he's healthy, you could use at least trot out their shitty attitude or not so that at least maybe the safety pays attention to him just a little bit more so it opens up, you know, the middle of the field where Tyrod Taylor allegedly can't throw, but this series shown he can throw in the middle of the field. That would be kind of cool to have that receiver out there, but good riddance. You know, good riddance. It, that one part really bothers me. Yeah. But yeah. we've also seen this team without Sammy Watkins many times put up a shitload of points. Yeah, that's true. Very true. So whether you start on your own, there was one drive where they, where they just said, screw it, we're going to throw within our own, like, with our backs against their end zone. You know, we're... Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, credit the to first, them for trying three for, p- plays were, were passes. I'm glad that yeah. they tried that. You know what I mean? But it's like you there's nobody to take the lid off that's proven to take the lid off. Can Zay Jones be that guy? Maybe. And, and this kid's gonna take it to heart, get this game on your system, dude, get back in it. Get back in it. You know, maybe this game is the best game to happen to the Bills. Who really? Knows? Who knows? So all right. Do you have anything else? I just pretty much talked and kicked you out of my house. <laughs> um, let's see. I just got to say, I mean, props to that defense because, you know, we, 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 we saw the bend don't break. We saw how long they were on the field. And, and, yeah. and, 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 and the, it was what, 85 to 90 degrees, very humid in North Carolina. They really, you know, not they played a heck of a game, but they played a heck of a game given some really tough circumstances and being put in some bad situations, unfortunately, by the offense. So I, you know, and they, they just, they didn't even, they never seemed tired, you know? I like, I did really like what McDermott did with a DL rotation. I think that's going to, that's going to be really good throughout the whole year. That worked out for that game. Yeah, and I think what it'll do over this, the span of the entire year is we'll see our D-line stay strong and stay fresher and maybe have fewer injuries because when you're playing tired, that's when you get hurt. We've heard people say that if you know, um, Tim, why don't you, you give them your background as an athlete real quick? Why don't you give them your well, track right? Just back- do it. Just <laughs> oh give them. Just give them what you've done, so people can have a little respect, so you do understand what the hell you're talking about when it comes to work ethic and getting to the top of. Really, I mean, you got to a, a, a spot where not many people get in athletics, so. Well, I, I I think I I started by playing soccer way 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 back in the day, and then I actually I got into high school, and I'd always play backyard football. But I, I'm a skinny little twerp, um, about five six. But you right. did track stuff, didn't you? Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. And I always did indoor track. Um, but yeah, I got into 
I, I tried out for the football team because I was uh, I was very fast. So I played football for two years. I realized I'm too small for this. I'm gonna get killed. My mom will, you know, have to bury me. <laughs> right, right. So I uh, I tried to go um, back and play soccer, and everyone else had gotten better. So I ended up not making the team, and uh, they offered me to be the the like the team cap coach, like where basically I hold a clipboard for a year and then I maybe get to play my senior year. And I said, ah, I can't do that. So I ended up starting to run cross country and this is my junior year of high school. And just like out of the blue, just kind of took off. And then I ended up running in college at Kelvin college in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, uh, I ran after college a bit and I coached at SUNY Brockport for four years. Um, so did a lot of running, uh, distance running. So, what was your mom was really proud of something you did, an achievement you had, or something you got into? My mom's proud of everything I did. Well, I mean, I she, would be she's, too. A, she's a she's a good, sweetheart. A she's good, a sweetheart. You're like a really, <laughs> if you don't know Tim Avery, you should know Tim Avery. He's probably the one of the best human beings I've ever met. Oh, so I really mean that. I mean, <laughs> I don't even like swearing in front of him, and it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> but like your mom's really proud didn't you did you get a scholarship did you get something what was it or did you make some kind of like states or something i don't know uh regionals i i, I went to nationals uh for it's kind of a big deal division three uh it's still a big deal <laughs> i went every year in cross country and once in track individually in the ten thousand meters so all right well tim with this humble brag i guess <laughs> Basically, the ten thousand is the the race no one wants to do because it just hurts a lot. <laughs> it's it's about thirty plus minutes of pain. <laughs> Yo, I hate running for real. I love ice skating. I'm like a Tasmanian devil. I skate with my head down because that's the not the way to skate. I don't really skate as much with my head down. I'm new to it. Hmm. But uh, yeah, man, I feel you, dude. You're a grinder, Tim. You really are a grinder, man. Um. Well, Tim, Takes can, one we, no one. can we find you on the interwebs anywhere? Do you want anybody to hit you up or not at all? Oh, uh, um, I you you can just find me out going to shows and um, sometimes playing some guitar, maybe. Um, I I'm just Tim Avery on Facebook in Rochester. What's your Instagram? What's your Instagram name? You're uh, Instagram. I'm at the Tim Avery, and my Instagram is mostly full of. Uh, videos of shows and concerts and stuff like that yeah you wouldn't know it but tim promotes like a lot of stuff at the bug jar in rochester new york and he has a platform here where he could like tell me if he has anything coming up at bug jar <laughs> is there anything you know do you promote do you well on wednesday we have a band called pale hound coming to town they're they're excellent um kind of indie a little emo a little noodly, really good, just good, good band. Um, got some other good ones. Uh, Laura Stevenson is coming up this um, this Saturday. That's gonna be really great. That they're kind of Americana with a little tinge of punk. Um, yeah, what else is coming up that's gonna be really good? I I don't know. I think the best thing to do is to go to www.bugjar.com. And I usually put links up to the band so you can give them a listen, check them out. Um, and if you're not in Rochester, just, you know, maybe they're coming through your town. And if you like what you hear, uh, look them up and, you know, go see them. Go support live music. Do you have an email? Uh, bugjarbooking at gmail.com. Yeah, so if you're in a band and, you know, whether you've played a show or not ever or you want to start a band, honestly, you could hit Tim up. If not, 
you can email me or shoot me a message and I'll get you in touch with a promoter who can put you on, you know, because we do music. That's what we do. Yep. Um, so it's like, you know, we'll get you in touch with whoever. So if you play music or you see bands that get inspired, get your buddies together. Music is one of the best things you could do. And, you know, keep in mind, though, it's a small business. And it's going to cost you money. So just, hey, be a little bit savvy, you know. Just promote hard and be honest about it. If you have paper flyers you can make at an office or something, you'll get a lot farther ahead than most people will. So um, hit up Tim if you ever want to get booked anywhere at the Bug Jar. Um, he does shows all the time, like all the time. I can't. A couple of other DIY spaces too. So yeah. So or friends that will book if we're if I'm busy. So well, Tim, thank you, buddy. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I think I'm going to make the, the podcast of my friend Jamie a separate one, meeting meet my little brother that's not my little brother, Jamie. Mm-hmm. So he was also at the Carolina game. So, um, all right, man. Well, so uh, I guess I'll just pause this. All right, so that was Tim Avery. And as you heard there, I'm just going to run this podcast uh, with my buddy Jamie Probably tomorrow. So look out for podcast number 139, and that'll be what I call a timeless podcast where you get to meet another character of my life, and uh, he'll be a regular contributor calling back with me. And Jamie's awesome. I have definitely smashed some PlayStation 2 controllers. I used to live at his house. He is the little brother of my best friend, Corey Kreider, and, um, you know, maybe when I was... 18 i would gamble with the 12 year old over madden and he wouldn't fucking pay and i would threaten him in his mouth trying to call the cops dave you gotta get out of here meanwhile she already just served me dinner like you know trying to get in some manna with the kid it's gotta be like that so anyways jamie should be coming up uh sometime and then you know when little squirt ends up old enough to leave the house at 16 he comes and visits my apartment and beats my ass in Madden as I'm 21 or 22. And I just ripped the controller right into the wall. There's a cement wall. Shattered. PS2. Back in the day, when you would play with a modem that you bought for your PS2, and Madden would actually filter out plays. So, like, I, I'm like, hmm, say, 4th and 15 on your own 50, you had to punt. And if you want to play it without the filter of the plays, it was some different thing it was called. I don't remember. Who am I talking to? Myself? I'm alone right now. Cool. So, thank you for tuning in. That was a Carolina Panthers uh, game review thingy with uh, with James from Indy. That's what we're going to call him. James from Indy. James, thank you so much for calling in. Hell of a guest. Did not expect it. And... Very knowledgeable. I expect to hear from James in the future. So take care. Um, don't forget to check out GrandSandSportsNetwork.com. Also PunchDrunkSports.com. And follow at PunchDrunk on Twitter. Get there on Etsy if you want to support the podcast. And as always, check out CoverOne.net. Eric Turner and Kevin Masseri do a wonderful job. So please support them. As well, if you want some great analytics, just favorite them. Uh, You can't ever go wrong. Even a great Instagram follower. Eric Eric, Eric has a really clean Instagram. I like it. So, uh, good stuff. Great oldies. I'm your host, D.
David Palermo, and this has been Numbills Fan Podcast number 138.